Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 333. Today we're going to be discussing some shows that we would like to see come to Walt Disney World. We're going to go through all four of the parks. We're also going to talk about our previous New York trip that we took this past weekend. We went up there to see some Broadway shows, which spurred this episode So we're so excited to get into all that today, but let's hear a message from our sponsor. Today's episode is made possible by Hannah Little with Creating Magic Vacations. Hannah needs to be your go-to person when it comes to travel planning. She is so organized, her system, I'm in awe of it. All you have to do is fill in the Google form, which gives her an idea of what it is that you're interested in doing, timelines, budgets must-dos, all those things, and she can take all that information and create a quote for you, get you the best bang for your buck. She even continues to track prices in case they decrease. And honestly, one of the best gifts that you can give is the gift of travel. Brendan looks like he's laughing at me right now. I love travel. Exactly. That's why you need to connect with Hannah Little. You can find her information at the link in our show notes, or you can even follow her on Instagram at Little Bit of Disney. She puts out underscore under. I'm sorry, Hannah. She puts out so much good information. Her stories are packed full of just breaking news, updates, everything that you would possibly want to know about Disney. And that's where we get all of our information because she keeps up with it so much better than we do. So if you're looking to book that Disney vacation or you want to give the gift of a Disney vacation, reach out to her. Yes. Hannah's also new to the Peloton crew. <laughs> so if you want uh, someone to do live ride widths, then Hannah's your person. We have a Peloton and we barely use it. So that's our New Year's resolution right now. It, I'm yeah. saying it. We are not going to go two consecutive days all year without Pelotoning. Wow, you're starting the New Year's resolution thing early. This is still December. Well, yeah, but we need it. We're behind. We yeah. We need more than just a year, I think, to, <laughs> to make up for our bad behavior with our Peloton. That's true. So we did go to New York City this past weekend, hence why we didn't have an episode on Monday. We went up there. Really, our sole reason, I guess we might differ on this opinion. I was going to say, your sole reason and my sole reason are separate. Mine was to see some Broadway shows, which we did. We saw two, so we're going to give a brief little recap of that. I'm assuming yours was to see The Christmas Tree. Absolutely. I had to see this Rockefeller Christmas tree. Elf is my all-time favorite Christmas movie. Do not fight me on this right now, Brendan. Santa Claus is better. I said don't do it. But it literally made all of my Christmas dreams come true. We saw the tree. We saw all the beautiful decorations, so many lights. It was incredible. And we weren't too cold. We survived. I mean, we bundled up. We were wearing sweaters jackets, gloves. I had the world's biggest earmuffs that I ordered from Amazon and we made it. So if you're not familiar, and I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, 
I really like performing arts and I really like musicals and everything that goes along with that. I guess I mentioned that in the Encanto review that we did last. And so going up and seeing a show actually on Broadway was a bucket list item for a very long time for me. We actually had a trip semi-planned, like nothing but like in our brains yeah, planned that we were going to go April of no, no, no. It would have been, yeah, April of 2020. And so it never happened. <laughs> and so it never happened. And so finally we were able to get up there and go to a couple shows. And some of you asked about just a brief review of those shows. So we wanted to share that quickly. And then we'll get into the meat of pitching new show ideas for Walt Disney World because I really do think. And especially moving down here now where we're not as attraction-focused, and I guess I should say ride-focused as much, the shows are everything a lot of times. Like, it can really just be a, a very low-stress type of thing. You don't have to, you know, you check show times to a little bit, but you don't have to queue up beforehand. There's not any bad seats in any of the Disney theaters of where they hold these things. So I really have leaned on that heavily and it's exciting that more and more things are starting to come back. Would you agree? Oh, I completely agree. I think, you know, for a lot of different reasons, shows are important just for the sake that they are people eaters, but I do think the right show can bring a lot of joy. I mean, we are team kite tails in this household and it brings a lot of joy to us. And I think that's what a good show can do. Like it leaves you with the songs that you'll kind of sing or hum for the rest of the day. And, you know, it's something that you can talk about and, you know, you get the same thing with an attraction, but I do agree. It's much less stress than an attraction, like yeah. a ride. Agreed. So the two shows that we saw in New York on Broadway, first we saw the matinee of Hades Town. So I got to pick a show and Kathy got to pick a show. I picked Hades Town. And I was actually really on the fence on if this was the one that I wanted to choose. And I could not imagine anything better. He, I think I made the right decision. He knocked it out of the park. He's definitely the winner. That's all I'll say so far about my pick. But Hades Town was incredible. We, you know, since we enjoy theater, but we're not like we don't know much about it. We lucked out where it's still the original cast doing Hades Town which I think is just an experience that, again, we never really expected to have. Like, I think that's a really cool aspect of seeing that particular show. Um, the one actor that we did not get to see was the actor who plays Hermes. And, of course, he's the one who won, like, the Tony, the Grammy, the Emmy for his performance. And he, we didn't get to see him, that performance. His understudy was still very good. But... I was relieved to hear that he didn't just miss our show. He missed the entire weekend. So he was mm -hmm. out of town. So it's not like we made <laughs> the wrong choice on which show to go to. Yeah. But that was the only understudy that we saw. But the actor who filled in for Hermes was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. And, and I think, you know, with a Broadway show and for people like us who don't really care, you know, you we would never know the difference. So if you're not familiar with Hades Town, just briefly, it's kind of a retelling of Greek mythology, and it's based a lot around Orpheus and Hades and Persephone and the one that I can never Eurydice. Eurydice. And like when you just read the description 
to me, it didn't do a lot for me, but I just kept reading the reviews and people were like, you have to see this. So finally I talked myself into it, but it's like jazz, like big band style, almost music that goes along with it. It was absolutely incredible. Catherine well, has been singing it for now five days straight. I haven't. I have the album on my phone now, my Apple Music, because I'm one of those. I have Apple Music and constant. I'm just like singing it to myself, like even at school, I'm like would singing you like to it do to myself. Now? Oh, absolutely not. I would not do that to other people, <laughs> just you. <laughs> but it was really cool the way that they did the music because it was a smaller band, like it wasn't a big orchestra, and they were on the stage the entire time. So the entire, you know, two two hours and 15 minutes, these six, I guess seven with the drummer, you know, musicians, they were on the stage playing this music. And I mean, that was just really cool to and they see. Got, and they got interactions with the actors as well, which I, I think you don't see as often. I mean, maybe that's common, but to us, that was really cool to see, you know, they were just sitting up there the whole time and they had not choreography, but they were dancing a little bit, and they you would have see their them own personality. React, yeah, you would see them react to the story that was going on. Mm-hmm. For our Orlando friends, Hades Town is the traveling company is coming to Orlando to the Dr. Phillips Center next December, so basically a year from now, and we will be going. We already know we're going to go see it, and I would recommend anybody go see it because it was really, really good. You ready to talk about our evening show now? Sure, let's talk about the evening show. So what did you pick? I picked Diana because I am your quintessential sucker for all things like British monarchy, obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with the crown. I just think all of it is so fascinating. And I don't know if we expected that level of like drama from this play when we walked into it because um, like that's just what we're familiar with when you say that. So sorry, you say you didn't, you expected that sort of drama. You're saying it expected to be more like the crown. Yeah. Just like very salacious, almost like shocking. But I think because we already knew so much about princess Diana and the whole musical is basically just a retelling of her major life events. It was a lot of things that, you know, they were singing about and obviously all the performers were very good, but it was kind of cookie cutter compared to like Hades Town, which Brendan, you said, you know, looking at it doesn't seem that interesting. It's Greek mythology. It's a story that if you're familiar with Greek mythology, you probably know it. But the way that they, you know, tied it back with the jazz and I don't know, just the way that they did it was so unexpected that it made it more interesting. Whereas we thought Diana was pretty. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say basic, but oh, I just did. I don't know. It was. We don't. Not neither, over the top. Neither of us have the vocabulary to really critique a Broadway musical. I think the way that other people could. Yeah. But I would just say we both left kind of thinking like that was fine, but I didn't leave thinking you know oh I didn't know that before. Or, or even just like there was one song in the second act that was really funny. It was about Diana's little black dress. And I think we can all imagine which dress I'm talking about when they got divorced. 
and just the dialogue between her and like her butler. And then the queen came out. And because she's the queen, she's not going to use like explicit language. And, you know, it was just, it was funny, you know, not in a way that was very direct, but in a way where it kind of gave you like, yeah, this is definitely what Diana was thinking when she put this dress on. So it was kind of fun. I hate to compare it to this, but do you think the reason why it kind of fell flat for us, because when you just think of a historical fiction genre, Hamilton just dominates it so much that like, it's almost like that genre is tainted now. Possibly. I mean, the other one that we've been eyeing for our next trip back to Broadway is six, which is about the six wives of King Henry, the eighth. Yeah. Eighth. And, you know, it's kind of like a rock, interesting retelling of that. And I don't know. I mean, I think history can be like a fun kind of unexpected genre. I just almost feel like the music maybe didn't help this one. Like, I think obviously with the crown and people's fascination and adoration of Princess Diana could make it very popular. I just think the way that it was done I mean, it's on Netflix right now. You can go watch it for free if you have a Netflix account and you can tell us what you think. That's kind of the route that I would take. But Personally. I would say 10 out of 10 recommend seeing Town on Broadway or The Traveling Company. I don't think Diana will make it to The Traveling Company. Our theater was about halfway full. On a Saturday night, that's not a very good sign. And the guys sitting next to us when we were watching it left after the first intermission because we wanted to spread out a little bit since there were so many empty seats. And I was telling Brendan he could sit next to me and he didn't believe me that they actually left. I just couldn't believe it. They, they did. I really they hope left. that they paid for like the last minute tickets for like 50 bucks or something. Hope they didn't pay what we paid and left during the intermission. That's why we didn't leave. It is a really, really big theater that, that Diana is in and as well. I mean, the theaters are amazing. They're small and it was very different than what, you know, when these traveling performances would come to Nashville or even Dr. Phillips, like you mentioned, I feel like they're pretty big places because they're trying to get their money's worth from ticket sales and all that. Broadway, what I was not expecting with the shows that we saw, it was very small. You can see their facial expressions even when we were up in the mezzanine. Intimate, I think, is a good word. Mm-hmm. That it was, it was. I, that, I think that was my favorite part of it that I did not expect at all. But you said when you saw Lion King in the past, that's in like a massive theater. I mean, from what I remember now, I was, you know, like a sophomore in high school or something. But I remember that being pretty big. So maybe like the Disney shows, like the Aladdin and the Lion King, Wicked, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they have much bigger theaters. Hamilton, my gosh, you could make that as big as you wanted, and well, I'm we sure it would sell out. Theater. We didn't. We passed a whole lot, though, because we stayed in that area. Yeah. So that's our New York trip review. Maybe we'll create a Broadway podcast because. But we are. We don't know what we're talking about. But maybe we can learn, or maybe that's our whole. That's our shtick. Is that we're, <laughs> we're two dummies who have no idea how to critique these things, but two, we're still sharing our unsolicited opinions. Two uncultured people just doing our best. <laughs> Correct. So now let's have an entire rest of the episode about 
performing arts. So by shows, and I hope this doesn't step on anything because we haven't shared our list before. To me, this it has to be a live performer. So like Country Bear Jamboree does not fit into this category. Is that the same way that you viewed a show coming to these parks? Yeah, I yeah everything that I picked was live action or live people. Okay, so we each picked one new show coming into each of the parks. I may have some alternates as well. I know you'll be upset with me, but we 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 did talk about this before we started. I you told wanna, me no. I didn't want to say yes because then you would have said that you needed some too. Oh my goodness! Well, that's exactly what I'm thinking right now. Okay, so. Let's start with Disney's Animal Kingdom. What new show, and we, I'd assume you also based all of yours on intellectual property. Ish. Okay. Well, I'm intrigued. So let's hear. You should be. I'm really excited for some of mine. (laughs) Is Animal Kingdom one of them that you're excited for? Um, Yes, because this touches my heart. I know for a fact <laughs> that we have the exact same show written down. We probably do. Go ahead. You can take it. I'll think of something new. All right. For Animal Kingdom, I had to go with an up show. Oh. I think Animal Kingdom is severely lacking up right now. Kevin, my goodness, where are you on vacation right now? Please come back to Animal Kingdom because I need you. I just think it would be the perfect mix of like humor and, you know, kind of that edutainment thing that Disney does so well, where I still think it would be fun to incorporate like live animals and teaching about the animals, because I think you could really tie that into what they're already doing with the Wilderness Explorer stations throughout the park. But I would love to see not the bird show, because I don't think the bird show was it. I don't think it was funny enough. Like, I think it kind of missed the mark, but I'd love to see you know, the interaction between Doug and Russell and Mr. Fredrickson with some sort of element of teaching about the animals, maybe a mix of live animals and others. You could teach us about a snipe, you know, you, that's a way that you could make it funny and interesting, but still somewhat educational. So that here's the storyline that I had is that there are wilderness explorers, actors, who are helping Kevin and Mr. Fredrickson identify, oh, sorry, they're helping Russell and Mr. Fredrickson <laughs> identify what Kevin's bird type is. And so they're helping them discover that Kevin is actually a girl and that Kevin is a snipe, or you know, if they want to disclose what the real bird is, then they can do that. But the same thing, I think, bringing out other animals that they can identify and talk about where they live. And I think, you know, conservation is the real key there. That's Mm -hmm. what has to hit in order for it to work. But yeah, I think that was my idea too. The only other things that I can think of, I would love if Tarzan rocks would come back. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think this generation doesn't appreciate Tarzan like we do. What heathens? You have to appreciate Tarzan. Are you allowed to say that? That's heathens? The, that's the biggest con in the Gen Z column is that they don't appreciate Tarzan. What a gem of a movie. Uh, and then I think Jungle Book would make sense as well, but it kind of seems like a lot of things they do in Animal Kingdom is either Lion King or Jungle Book. So I 
think maybe they'd like to pull away from it. If they could, if it was possible with the licensing deal, I think a Black Panther slash Wakanda show would be fantastic. That could be cool. I mean, still, you could talk about conservation still somewhere in there. You know, using resources, I think, would be a good mm-hmm. segue as well. And then the other one I wrote down would be Zootopia. Ooh, okay. I'm still not convinced. Like, it does Zootopia fit the theme of Animal Kingdom? Oh, no. But, no, it like, doesn't. Besides it being animals. Like, I think it fits the theme of Epcot more than... How so? Why do you say that? Well, just because it's all about like living in harmony and appreciating other cultures or other people or other beings mm-hmm. and, and creating a society that everyone can thrive in. So that's why, I, to me, I, I draw Zootopia closer to that than to conservation. I don't really think it hits on conservation very much. No, it doesn't. The closest thing I would say is just the different like ecosystems that all the animals live in, but that's not conservation. Yeah. Can you think of any other like IP that would be good? I, for a split second, was thinking maybe something with Raya because you could tie it into, you know, just Asia and that kind of part of the park. But like, I'm not really sure. And this might just be us because we weren't huge Raya fans. But I don't know, again, kind of how you would tie that into conservation at all. And not that it has to be conservation, because obviously you have the Finding Nemo show and you have Lion King, and those are just just uplifting, kind of happy performances. But Raya is not a musical, so you can't really lean heavily into that. I mean, I guess Finding Nemo isn't either, typically. No, but they certainly made it into one. It's very good. Have we, I, you know, I will die on this hill that that show is, it might be better than Festival of the Lion King. I'm not sure if I'm quite ready to say it, but it might be. And there was some pretty cool puppeteering going on over there. When Mr. Ray comes out, jaw yeah, on the floor. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. What park do you want to do next? Let's do Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom. Okay. So this is, uh, I'm actually pretty proud of this one. Ooh, okay, I'm excited. This takes inspiration from like the Jedi Training Academy. And this is a Pirates of the Caribbean, how to be a pirate show, interactive type show. Oh. I don't think the setting needs to just be that little stage where... Uh, he comes out. Captain Jack. Captain Jack comes out and meets right now. I think it needs a proper theater of some sort. I would agree. And I think even bigger than Jedi, Jedi Training Academy was. I think that's a little rinky-dink, to be honest. Yeah. They can do better. We'll come back to that. Um, but yeah, I think How to Be a Pirate works for boys and girls, for adults, for everybody. But I think... If you find the right Captain Jack and the Captain Jack Sparrow that's in Magic Kingdom right now is fantastic. The voice is nailed. The mannerisms are nailed. I think it would transfer over so well. And and to me, Adventureland needs something else. And especially in the performance area, I think it could really use a lift in that space. 
And I think the humor element there again could be through the roof. I mean, he's quite the character. So I think that would be something. So would, if you are learning how to be a pirate, is there going to be crowd involvement? Are you going to pick people to become pirates? Yeah, I think you can do maybe something beforehand where, you know, little kids who want to participate get a hat and like a little plastic sword or something or... I don't, that sounds like a bad idea because they'll just be hitting people with it. But Or each other. Yeah. Can you imagine sending siblings up on stage with plastic swords? You know, you can do it like Jedi Training Academy where there's a sign up beforehand. And maybe not, I don't think the whole show needs to be like that interactive, you know, teaching portion. But it. I think it could be Jack or it could be, a. you could get away from Jack because in the movie franchise, they're trying to get away from Jack. You could just have a pirate up there, create a new character. No. Or, could, or make it red. Red would work. And say, you know, you've all been recruited here to join our new fleet. You know, I'm here to whip you into shape to get you up and ready to be a pirate. You have to take shots of rum on the way out. <laughs> I'd be down for that. That's. I mean, I like that the, idea. The rum or the show? Both. Okay. <laughs> um. I know we're not trying to think of like which space to put these in. However, just knock down Tortuga Tavern. You're not going to use it anymore. Just, you can do it there. They could do it there. That's a good spot, actually. I like that. And what is your Magic Kingdom show? My Magic Kingdom show is on the opposite side of the park. I thought Tomorrowland could use like a permanent fixture of entertainment. And when I think about Tomorrowland and some of the things that are already there, if you say Stitch, I'm going to flip this table. Well, I did think Stitch at first, but <laughs> oh no, I, it's not a Stitch show because I don't think that has enough substance. I'm going with, I need a real Monsters, Inc. laugh show. I'm thinking like a comedy club. I mean, get some real variety. I think the things that they could do with like puppeteering, again, like if you think about the Nemo show, I think some of the things that they could come up with would be incredible. And I mean, if you find like stand-up comedians, you know, not the little send-in jokes through a text message, like knock-knock style, but something that is really funny, and I think that would kill it. I would legitimately wait for that because we wait to see it anyway, just because sometimes it's cute and, you know, the crowd involvement part of it can be funny every so often. But if you had like a real stand-up comedian, more than one, who were like interacting with each other, somewhat interacting with the crowd, like similar to what they already do of like the that guy thing, but where it's not the same every single time, the rewatchability would be there. And they kind of already have the space. I do agree. I would want it to be bigger just so that they don't have to do like show, 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 show. I don't know. I think it'd be really cool. Yeah. Well, and, you know, not to get too sad, but that like improv space of entertainment, Disney's really, well, Disney World specifically, I think with the removal of the citizens of Hollywood, they have removed basically all elements of that. So I would love to see any way that they can bring in that style of entertainment and comedy again. And I think that would work. You think the premise is the same, that you're just trying to collect laughs for Monstropolis? I mean, yeah. I don't think you need to make it much more complicated than that, honestly. You could do like a Monsters University, like teaching like a lecture or something. 
Maybe. But I'm, I don't know. I'm like a, a traditionalist. I would prefer just little Monstropolis. Oh, uh, you don't like sequels? I mean, they're they're all right. I liked Monsters University. I did too. Don't get me wrong. It's a good movie. But give me some more Raws. No. I mean, can you imagine if you found like a, a good stand-up comedian to do Raws for you? How well, fun would that be? And I think the puppeteering is a good idea where like you don't have to put someone in a costume mm-hmm. per se. You know, you can have a little more freedom. And they don't even, I don't even think it has to be like Mike Wazowski necessarily doing it, right? Like you could make up other monsters. Each comedian could have like their own monster personality or something. I don't know. Yeah. It'd be fun. Some improv. Yeah. I'm down for that. Okay. Next, I want to do Epcot. Ooh, I wanted to save that one for last, okay. but that's okay. No, that's okay. Rewind. Next, I want to do Disney's Hollywood Studios. Oh, I agree. That's a good one. Oh, okay. And what's your <laughs> choice at Disney's Hollywood Studios? All right. For Disney's Hollywood Studios, I briefly mentioned it, but I do think that Jedi Training Academy has a lot of potential. I do kind of think it misses the mark. Now, I think it's cool if you have kids and if you're willing to like sprint to the line and knock people over to get your kid on the list early on. But I mean, that's what people were doing. That's quite the picture you're painting there. Everyone is picturing it right now. It happened and everybody knows it. So I think there's a lot of potential there, but I do think like, unless your child is participating in it, I don't think there's just like a ton of substance because I don't know. There's just not much to it. So I think... You're basically depending on the kids to do something funny. Exactly. And I'm sure that happens most times, but I would like to see a more like souped up version, a more, I guess, scripted and well thought out version where you are actually seeing maybe like a Jedi training versus like a stormtrooper training. And they could kind of... You just miss everything? What do you mean? The stormtroopers, they they just shoot and miss at every target that they're shooting at? Well, see, again, so I think there's there could be an element of humor, but I think with, obviously, we've seen a lot of the new um, Star Wars hotel. What are they calling that Galactic thing? Star Cruiser. The Galactic Star Cruiser. We're seeing a lot of the technology that they're putting into that with like the lightsabers and different things that they can do. And I think if they were to take some of that technology and put it into a show, I think that could be really just cool. And again, with the whole immersive factor of Galaxy's Edge, I definitely would not keep it over there by Star Tours. I think that this would need to happen somewhere within Galaxy's Edge or just closer to that area. But I mean, I think it would be a cool contrast, you know, light, dark, some good music. I'm in. That's my idea. Yeah. What, so who is leading this, Kylo or Darth Vader? I mean, I was originally thinking Kylo, but I guess Darth Vader might make more sense because he was both a Jedi and then he went to the dark side. So maybe Darth Vader makes more sense. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like, I don't think we've gotten an official announcement yet, but it does seem like they're abandoning the timeline. Yes. Thing. 
which is kind of hard to wrap my mind around still. Not that I don't think it needs it. I just think it's an interesting, like we've almost been conditioned to think that about Galaxy's Edge, that the first time I see Darth Vader, it will be interesting. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I mean, it'll be cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, so I actually have three for Hollywood Studios. So I won't, I'll have a main one and then I'll just mention the other two. So my main one is kind of a cop out, but so is yours, kind of. Yours was just like a soup up. What? But mine was a real show idea. So was mine. Mine is we're plucking this show from somewhere else and putting it in Hollywood Studios and making it bigger and better. And that is the Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix live show that took place for a couple summers in Epcot in the Theater of the Gardens. Oh, okay. Uh huh. In the America Pavilion. Now, weirdest location ever for a Guardians of the Galaxy show. I st- we don't have the perfect place for it yet. I mean, you could maybe say Epcot down the road. You put it next to Cosmic Rewind, but I don't even know if that makes sense. I think it makes the most sense in Hollywood Studios. Why? Because it's it, Hollywood Studios is the place where you are being put into the movies. It's where you get the most, you know, interaction with characters of that sort. I don't know. It's just my favorite park and it's my favorite movie. So <laughs> so it has to go there. But I do think if you didn't see the show, they're playing like classic rock songs from the 70s and 80s and maybe 90s too. No, probably 70s and 80s because Peter grew up in the 80s. But anyway, it's really, really fantastic. It's hilarious. It's got Star-Lord in it and... Um, Gamora was there too, right? And Gamora, yeah. But I think you could do something, you know, put Rocket on a screen or you could bring Groot out. We know that they have the suit for Groot from Disneyland. So lots of things that you can do with that. But just some live music. It's got a little bit of a story that goes along with it, but I think it would do fantastic in Hollywood Studios. You can put it next to uh, Rock and Roller Coaster if you wanted. Hey, now we're talking. I was going to say a rock and roller coaster remix, but I guess we're kind of getting that. Yeah. Well, maybe. Cosmic Rewinds could maybe turn into that. I guess we don't know. There will be music involved. So the other one that's kind of like closer to my heart, even more so than Guardians of the Galaxy. This is what I was expecting from you. A Muppets live show. Yep. So... You know, back in the day, if you're familiar with it, they did have a Muppet show in Hollywood Studios where they were like life-size Kermit and Miss Piggy. I personally think that it would be even cooler if you could see the puppeteers at work. Like, you could even show, like, how Puppeteering 101 or mm-hmm. something. I guess I'm all about edutainment, I'm learning. Yeah. This. I think that would be cool. But if you wanted to block it out, you know, there's different ways that they can do it. That's how they did it in Magic Kingdom with the show is that the puppeteers are down below and they just hold it up where you can't see them. But I think in the spirit of Hollywood Studios and kind of the old school spirit of it, of how to make movies, I think it should be in that same vein of the Muppets. We're creating a special, you know, here's the behind the scenes look of how we're pulling it off. Here's how you get camera angles. Here's how you, you know, get the set ready. All things like that. 
I mean, it has the potential to be hilarious. Oh, anything with the Muppets has the potential to be hilarious. That's what I expected you to say. Yeah, and then my third one was Hercules. Just because the music is so good. Hercules, okay. So I think if you could, you know, get the, what's the three-headed monster's name? Hydra? No. No. (laughs) I don't know. Whatever the beast is that he fights. Fluffy, the fluffy looking thing. What? That's what Hagrid calls his three-headed dog, Fluffy. Yeah, but the one that... I know that's not the actual name in Hercules. I know, but the one in Hercules is a dragon thing. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I mean, it's, kind of, it's black. It's kind of dog-like. <laughs> no, it's not. It's <laughs> dragon-like. Anyway, I think that would be cool. And just because the music from Hercules is so good, that's it, it would have to be a musical. Beauty and the Beast-esque, just a retelling. It's all you really need. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't know if this... If kids nowadays really appreciate Hercules Stop. like we do. Stop right there. Hercules, Tarzan, and Pocahontas are... Things of the past. Yeah. Nobody loves them as much as we do. Well, that might be true. We love them the most. So by process of elimination, I believe Epcot is next. Epcot! Okay, am I going to go first or should you go first? I went first last time. You have to go first this time. I'll go first this time because this is my least confident one. Oh, I'm very confident. I hope I steal yours. You won't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they're kind of doing things with this intellectual property. They could do more with it in the future. But I do think the music from this is so impactful and the story of it. You can do something around the holidays that this uh, works with, and it's a Coco musical. Did you know I was going to do that? Well, I feel like anyone would initially go for that. I mean, I, that was my... <laughs> Wait a minute. Say that again? Any Anyone <laughs> would come up with that? Is that what you said? <laughs> I just think it it makes the most sense. Coco... <laughs> Thank you. So glad I come up with something so original that everybody else could have done it too. Well, I'm just saying... That's what I also originally thought is Coco. I mean, hello, it's beautiful. I think we've seen in Disneyland, like they have some really cool puppets and, you know, different ways, again, that you could portray Coco. The music makes sense for a musical, whether it's a retelling or, you know, maybe just a celebration of the Day of the Dead and all of that entails and he can relate it back to his family. And I think there's a lot of different avenues for it i think it's a great idea <laughs> oh thank you i have a runner-up do you want to hear it uh yeah soul okay just put it in the american gardens theater get a joe gardner some good and jazz a, and music a jazz band up there i don't think it has to be anything extravagant mm-hmm. i just think it's just be fun and and nice to have it there and i do think that captures the essence of the america pavilion almost as good as anything well, just wait. Oh, okay. So my idea for Epcot, after I thought about Coco, I continued to think, and I was inspired by our Broadway weekend. I thought, how cool would it be, since Lin-Manuel Miranda seems to be doing a lot with Disney, 
if he could come up with his own version of like a U.S. history show just for Epcot. So obviously not Hamilton because that has its own stage and its own place, but like a Hamilton-esque retelling with like upbeat music, you know, rap, just a different style, something that's completely unexpected, but you could take, you know, just different important events from U.S. history and retell it in that kind of format. So you could have, you know, obviously things like the Declaration of Independence. You could do, you know, the Constitution, Founding Fathers, you know, the Boston Tea Party. I don't know what else. Louisiana Purchase. Just different things that were very significant kind of in those early days since I know that's what Epcot likes to focus on. It doesn't have to be modern events, but I think it would be a good update to that big theater that they have. Oh, so you're saying to put this into the American adventure. Absolutely. Wow. Live performers. That theater is beautiful. And it's huge. It is absolutely massive in there. And it's never full. Never full. I mean, this, I think this could absolutely like pack a house if Lin Manuel Miranda. Do you think you could show it a day? I don't think it has to be long. So I think it could just be like 20 or 30 minutes, you know? That's pretty long for Disney. You think for like a little show? Like Nemo's 40 minutes and people really complain about how long it is. So 20 or 30 would be less. Yeah. Well, yep, that is math. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't think you have to show it a ton. I mean, I didn't work out all that. I didn't ask you that about your shows. I don't I know. Just one, I'm just trying to learn more about this. When I go work for Imagineering, I want to take this steal my idea? idea? Yeah. This is the... If anyone steals this idea, by all means, oh, this is a say, great idea. This is your origin villain story. <laughs> you got your idea stolen. Oh, no. This would be awesome. I would love to see this come to life. As long as I give you a lightning lane for it? Yeah. A little shout out, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just like put my name in like a little end credit scene or something. But I don't know. I just think it would be really fun. Live performers, all the little imperfections that come with it, but you're still getting the U.S. history in a more interesting way. So here's my question. Do you put any IP into it at all? Like, is Mickey a character in this? Or is Pocahontas a character when you talk about, you know, Lewis and Clark or anything like that? or? No, the only IP that I think I would accept is like maybe a little Muppets spoof somewhere in there because we do have Regal Eagle and you could do something with like Sam Eagle. But I also think that could just like detract from the show. No, I do think if I wanted to spin away from like a Lin-Manuel Miranda like production Kind of thing. I think a Muppets show about retelling U.S. history could also go in that space. And I think it would be fun and interesting and funny. My work here is done. I've officially converted you to a Muppets person. I think the Muppets have a lot of potential. Like, I think people love the Muppets. I think all of our hope should be restored in the Muppets after watching that Haunted Mansion movie that they did. My hope has been restored in the Muppets that they can still perform for us. It was better in that show that they did on Disney+. Plus. That was not, that missed a mark somewhere. 
And that's okay. Not everything knocks it out of the park. But I do think if they did something at that level, that could be a cool retelling of history. But in my Broadway brain right now, I thought, and well, well, Randa can just do it again for us. Just a little something for Disney. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's just free and available. I mean, he would get paid. I, I meant, He doesn't I have to had, do it for free. I meant his time. Oh, well, there's money, always time for Disney. Money talks, though. Exactly. I mean, you, you are right. I mean, that would be standing room only for months if they did if something like that. If not longer. Yeah. I mean, that, that might have to go to paid lightning lane right out of the gate. You know, I, would love pay, that. I would pay tickets to see it. Like what a separate did, ticket. Yeah, I was going to say, what if they charged, like if you reserved it ahead of time, like like the candlelight processional dining package and stuff? I would do it. I think that'd be good. I think it'd and be cool. I, I, yeah, I think it could be really cool, especially because of the way that Hamilton, you know, obviously they can't have the same language that Hamilton has, but the honest semi-honest way that Hamilton looks at history, where they don't sugarcoat everything, I think that is very much in line with, you know, where society is. It would be, yeah, just a different perspective. And I think it would be much more engaging than what's there right now. You know what they're going to, they're going to, I was going to say they're going to listen to this. If an Imagineer's listening. (laughs) Send this to your Imagineer friends out there. I would just be scared. They'd be like, oh, let's just make it animatronics. No, it, no. This has to be be real performers in order for it to work. You can't get an an audio animatronic on it. And (laughs) (laughs) you can't get one of those to rap, you know, or to have the same kind of emotion or, you know, whatever it might be that makes any live performance so interesting. Yeah. I think that's just kind of the general idea that we had behind this show and, and leaving it is just that Disney is so world-class in entertainment and it does seem like, I, I guess maybe a better way of saying it, I really, really hope that they don't use the pandemic as a crutch to not continue expanding these type of entertainment offerings because we've seen them do that with a lot of areas. I do have such an appreciation for rethinking shows to make sure that the cast is able to stay safe. You know, you see that to a certain extent in Lion King festival of the Lion King. However, there's still some parts of that. It's like you really couldn't have the tumble monkeys. Well, they're the best part. You do everything else besides the tumble monkeys. Yeah. But, you know, this kind of goes in hand with we saw Cirque du Soleil the other day. And we and we kind of said, like, this is one of the most Disney things that we've seen in the entertainment space in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. We need more things like that. I think the parks sorely miss that right now. And I agree. So hopefully Nemo comes back in a good way. I mean, it is coming back, but... Hopefully it's good. And something that we're expecting. It's something that we're anticipating. Yeah. Their uh their retheming is just gonna be taking out my favorite part of Mr. Ray. Oh no, I hope not. I hope not. So any other final thoughts or honorable mentions? 
And you you know I don't have any honorable mentions. I didn't know if you all of my of mentions are what I mentioned over the past forty eight minutes. I didn't know if something popped into your mind. I my Lin Manuel Miranda idea is the hill I'm going to die on. It, it, that just consumed your mind the whole time because you were waiting to share it. Precisely. I did think just to kind of spin off your Galaxy's Edge type thing. I think there could. I think Galaxy's Edge sorely needs some more live entertainment. You know, they mentioned that there's going to be this performer that's on the Star Cruiser. To me, like, I, that's great. You and I are probably never going to go on the Star Cruiser unless they go on a massive sale one day. Black Friday deal. But even then, like, I don't, their, their definition of a sale is still going to be crazy. $15 off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that in that same vein of like Ogus Cantina, as much as I love it, it should have had a live performer, at least the space for one, not all day, but you know, every so often I love DJ Rex, but you hear Cantina and the star Wars, star Wars, star Wars world. <laughs> it's a lot of W's. That is. You expect live performers. I think. So, I mean, I think what you said about Hollywood Studios really resonated because, I mean, it makes sense. You you kind of miss just that little bit of interaction or the little bit of just character that you get from having live performances and live performers. And, you know, you can get that to a certain extent with something like the Festival of the Lion King. However, it is still, you know, a choreographed show. Whereas something like what you're saying in Ogas might be a little more personal. Well, even like if you look at what they're doing in Diagon Alley at Universal, and I I don't know the name of those performers, but you know which ones I'm talking about that perf- Yeah. Up on that little stage. Yeah. Even something like that, I think would fit in so well in like that Ogas area or something like that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't all have to be just like lightsabers and stormtroopers. You know, there's so much more to Star Wars than that. But that stuff is really cool. It is. It is. So, any other final thoughts? I don't think so. Guess now we just wait and see if any of our ideas come to life. Yeah. Uh, bookmark this episode so that we can prove that we thought of this stuff. That we said it first. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. Of course, if you are thinking about booking some Disney travel, reach out to our friend Hannah Little with Creating Magic Vacations. You can reach the quick quote to uh, fill that out and so she can get the information to you in the show notes below or go to detourtoneverland.com slash little bit of Disney and it will take you right there. So thank you guys so much for listening and we will chat with you real soon. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.